This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your Squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN Studios. High atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Wednesday, the 19th day of July. So we're looking at just over 10 days left in the month. And then we have August. And then it's back to school. (sighs) Time flies. All right, this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and anything else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the audio podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. All right, what do we got coming up today? We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And then we have our study Bible level Bible study of Deuteronomy. We are resuming in chapter 12, verse 15 this morning. So that is the plan for Squirrel Chatter for today. All right. Let us begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, let's turn now to John MacArthur's daily readings from the life of Christ. Our devotional today is entitled Positive Response to God's Law. Whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5:19b Dr. MacArthur writes Those saints who uphold every part of God's word in their lives and in what they teach exhibit a most positive response to his law and receive from him the commendation great They see Paul as their pattern when he told the Thessalonians You are witnesses and so is God how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behaved Toward you, believers, just as you know how we are exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. 
so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. That's 1 Thessalonians 2, 10 through 12, with a cross-reference to 1 Timothy 4, 11 to 12, and 1 Timothy 6, 11 to 12. The apostle kept and taught the entire purpose of God, Acts 20, 27, and therefore ranks among the greatest in God's kingdom. If we do the same, we will be among the greatest in heaven. One key to our positive response to God's moral law is knowing that it's changeless and eternal. In heaven, the traits it requires will not need to be commanded, for they will simply be manifested as part of God's own character. But we do not naturally reflect those characteristics while still on earth. Thus, his moral standards must continue to be taught and heeded so that we might bear spirit-produced fruit while we wait for its ultimate fulfillment. See Romans 8, 2-4. Greatness does not come by gifts, success, or popularity, but by our reverence for, respect of, and obedience to the Word in daily life and how we encourage those attitudes in others. Ask yourself, what specific noticeable things are great about a person who deliberately pursues obedience to the word? How do they distinguish themselves from others in expression, attitude, and outlook? Good word from Dr. MacArthur. I was listening this morning. Um, it's July, so they do Grace Church in July messages um, at uh, Grace Community Church, John MacArthur's church. Um, it's a interesting month of they they kind of suspend their regular kind of they absolutely do suspend their regular fellowship groups during the month of July and instead of people attending their fellowship groups during the fellowship group time there is a selection of different lectures by different elders visiting pastors and preachers um all sorts of people, university professors, master seminary professors. There is a, a, a series of lectures that the people can, can choose from. And these are going to deal with all sorts of topics of doctrine, of theology, of practice, etc. And there's all sorts of stuff on, you know, everything from, from biblical counseling and church discipline to the doctrine of theology proper to, you know, how to raise your kids kind of stuff. Um, very, very broad spectrum of lectures. And they're not, some of them are absolutely Bible studies, but they're, they're more topical and more, I don't want to say academic, because they're fairly practical, but just there's a wide spectrum of things that they do that are available. And this morning I was listening to one of uh, Phil Johnson's messages from Sundays in July. I think they call it Sundays in July. And I was listening to, to one that he gave sometime this month. <laughs> I, I didn't look at the date, whether what Sunday it was. But he gave a, a, a message recounting the history of, and an update, kind of, of the 
lordship salvation controversy, which I'm not going to get into now. I would encourage you to to find that uh, message at the Grace Church website and give it a listen yourself. Um, but one of the things he said struck me as I was reading that devotional this morning. In in that message, Phil said, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then Phil said, if that, if you hear that and that bothers you, you need to ask yourself why. And I thought that was since the, the devotional this morning was on obedience and the importance of obedience. I thought that was, uh, th that just came to my mind as I was going through that. All right. So we get ready to dig back into Deuteronomy. Let's begin with our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right, well, we are back in Deuteronomy. We are picking up in verse 15. Um, remember, Moses is instructing the Israelites of how they are to worship when they come into the land. Things are going to be different living in the land than they were encamped in the wilderness. And so some things are going to have to be done differently. The main thing is that there is going to be a central place of worship, and it is at that central place of worship that you are to offer your sacrifices to God and not, you know, at convenient places near your home. Um, now, remember, again, just to remind you, the temple was not like a weekly church, which is based on the weekly synagogue. The synagogue didn't develop until the Babylonian captivity, and the church is modeled on the synagogue. The temple was not a place of regular instruction and regular gathering. Um, now, I have no doubt. That, I mean, we had scribes and Pharisees at Jesus' time, um, of course, they don't, they don't go all the way back to, to Moses. But there had to have been instruction from, you know, scribes and everything. And we, of course, we see this in the book of Ezra, where they bring out the book and, and read the scriptures and give the sense of it. So there was teaching. But the primary duty for teaching doctrine and theology to children fell on the parents, particularly the father. So fathers needed to be instructed by their fathers. This was designed to be passed down through time in the family, still an important part of leading a family, teaching doctrine and theology to your, to your children. So the temple was not the place where they gathered every week to have the scriptures taught to them. 
Um, and like I said, there wasn't there wasn't a place like that until the synagogue, which doesn't come around until the Babylonian captivity, developed while they were in Babylon, far from the temple. And of course, carries through to today, both in the Jewish synagogue and in the church. And the same pattern is is found in the uh, um, in Muslim faith. You know that the, they meet on Fridays. The, the religious Jews meet in the synagogue on Saturdays, and the Christians meet on Sundays. But that regular weekly gathering for instruction and worship was instituted during the Babylonian captivity in the form of the synagogue. So the, the temple prior to that, even after that, was the place of sacrifice. And and we've we've looked at you know what a bloody business it was to be honest. Well, that place of sacrifice was the central location that everybody had to go to to bring their sacrifices and offerings. But that wasn't the only place. Um, well, the distinction was. That was not the only place that animals could be slaughtered. And they had to bring this out. Moses had to point this out because there there might have been the belief that you had to take all your animals to Jerusalem to have them slaughtered by the priests. And that was not the case. Listen to what he says. This is verses 15 through 19. However, you may sacrifice and eat meat within any of your gates. Whatever you desire, according to the blessing of Yahweh your God, which he has given you, the unclean and the clean may eat of it, as of the gazelle and the deer. Only you shall not eat the blood. You are to pour it out on the ground like water. You are not allowed to eat... Excuse me. You are not allowed to eat within your gates the tithe of your grain or new wine or oil or the firstborn of your herd or flock or any of your votive offerings which you vow or your free will offerings, or the contribution of your hand. But you shall eat them before Yahweh your God in the place which Yahweh your God will choose, you and your sons and daughter, you and your son and daughter, your male and female slaves, and the Levite who is within your gates. And you shall be glad before Yahweh your God in all that you send forth your hand to do. Beware lest you forsake the Levite all your days upon the land. So when he's saying that you can, you can uh, um, sacrifice and eat meat within any of your gates, um, sacrifice there might be better translated as slaughter. Sacrificial offerings were to be brought to the central appointed place of worship, the tabernacle and later the temple. But the killing and eating of meat for regular consumption day in and day out could be engaged in anywhere. So when he says within your gates, he's talking about where you live. Um, within your gates talks about within the city where you live or within the town where you live or even, you know, I mean, we think farms and ranches have gates. So you know, it could even be your home if you lived in a rural Farming village or something. 
Most towns and villages were walled. The reason they were walled was for defense. Um, most farms are walled to contain animals, to keep, uh, to keep animals from eating the crops, to keep them away from the crops, and to keep the herds in. Now, that was not so much the case back in the biblical times, but they would have corrals and pens where you would have a gate. Um, but I think it's, it's referring here to the town where you live because most people lived in towns and then they would farm the area around the town, um, which was a pattern that held really up until colonial America where you had people living in towns and farming the, the ground around the town. Um, lots of interesting stuff we could talk about there. But he was saying that, that you can kill and eat meat for you, it doesn't have to be offered as a sacrifice. This is completely different from the pagan practice. The pagan practice was that all, all animals would be offered to the pagan gods before being consumed. Um, and this was one of the reasons why every little town and village had pagan places of worship, the pagan places of worship that the Israelites were told to destroy. This was because all of this was done as sacrifice to the gods. But it was not to be that way in Israel. Your regular food could just be slaughtered. The only prohibition, the only restriction that's given here was that you shall not eat the blood with it. Now we know this isn't a sacrificial animal because look in verse 15, it says, the unclean and the clean may eat of it as of the gazelle and the deer. So gazelle and deer would be wild game. The, the meat that's slaughtered in the gates would be domestic game and it can be eaten by anyone. So we're not concerned with ceremonial cleanliness or uncleanliness. Now there are a lot of things that could make you ceremonially unclean. Um, and some of it was not, you know, we're not, we're not talking about sinful things. We're just talking about everyday life. And it's like, okay, if this has occurred, you cannot for a certain period of time until you do something, you can't bring a sacrifice to the Lord. You can't worship in the temple. You can't consume a sacrificial animal. Um, and some of those things, I mean, just like if you touch a dead body, well, you know, what if grandma died and you had to help prepare the body for burial or carry the body to the burial plot? Guess what? Now you're ceremonially unclean. It's not because of any wrongness that you have done. Women, when they were in their monthly cycle, were ceremonially unclean, not because of any wrongness they had done. This was just a distinction that God brought forth to teach clean and unclean and holiness and to, 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 to push forward the clear um, distinction of God's holiness as opposed to man 
in his everyday situation. Um, so, I mean, that was, if you, if you remember, um, the night before God gave the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel, remember he spoke to all the people. He didn't just give the Ten Commandments to Moses. The entire nation of Israel heard the, the, uh, the Ten Commandments from the voice of God. But one of the things that God had instructed Moses to instruct the people was that men were not supposed to lie with their wives beforehand because that would impart a ceremonial uncleanness. It's not sinful for a man to lie with his wife, but it was the, you know, so, so clean and unclean does not mean, you know, necessarily sinful and not sinful. I mean, nobody's not sinful. But the everyday food could be eaten by anybody. So if you buried grandma yesterday and you touched the body and they're barbecuing steaks today, you can have one. You don't have to abstain. Now, if you, you couldn't take a sacrifice to the temple in that condition. You couldn't partake of the feasting on a sacrificed animal in the temple, but you could have a hamburger at home. So this is a, an important distinction, and this is why we know this is not talking about purely sacrificial animals. Then verse 17, he says, you are not... Um, you are not allowed to eat within your gates the tithe of your grain or your new wine or oil or the firstborn of your herd or flock or any of your votive offerings which you vow or your freewill offerings or the contribution of your hand. So the things that are to be brought to the temple are to be brought to the temple. And there's a clear distinction between the everyday food and the stuff that is to be offered. So he says that... Uh, you know, you're not allowed to eat within your gates the tithe of your grain or new wine or oil. That's the first tenth of the produce. That was to be given to the Lord. And so the first 10% you harvest goes to the Lord. And that would be sent to the temple for the support of the priests and the Levites. They get to eat it. Um, so the firstborn of your herd or flock. So if you have a, a you sheep, E-W-E-W-E, -W -E, I think is that spelled? A, a female sheep, the first offspring born to that you is sacrificed to God. Because all the firstborn belong to God. This is why there's a sacrifice that has to be offered for every firstborn child. If a couple get married and they have a child, they are to bring an offering to the temple for that child. And we see Mary and Joseph doing this after the birth of Jesus. So there was a, you know, the firstborn had to be redeemed by a sacrifice. Um, the first, and this, this is, you know, this is such an important thing to remember. The firstborn is holy to God. 
and a sacrifice was to be offered for that. And it's saying you can't eat that at home. You have to take that to the temple. Now, a portion of it you got to eat. So it's not like you're doing without. <laughs> but you have to eat it before Yahweh your God in the place which Yahweh your God will choose, you and your son and daughter, your male and your female slaves, and the Levite who is within your gates. So, you know, not only were sacrifices given to the temple for the support of the priests and Levites, the priests and Levites were supposed to partake with you so that, you know, you would have a meal together. This is a, a, a it's, it's both a worshipful experience and it's a social event, whereas you would get to, to, to know each other. Important times. Um, just sharing a meal now is an important thing. I was, we're, we're trying to get together, uh, my wife and I with some friends, and we keep talking about it and we can't find a time that works for everybody. We were going to get together this week, but they've got people in from out of town, so they're busy this week. And we've got family in, in from out of town next week. And, and so, you know, it's probably going to be a couple of weeks before we can get together and have dinner. But we're trying to do that so that we can spend time together. This is another couple from our church. We're just trying to get together and spend time together. Um, and you can see that this is a, you know, because that's how we get to know each other, is spending time together. And there's few ways better of spending time together than with a meal. So look who was to eat. You and your son and your daughter. You know, multiple if you have them. It's not like you pick your favorites. Your male and your female slaves. They were to eat with you. They're a member of the family. Remember what we talked about yesterday about the way slavery was? These are family members. These are not immediate family. But they are dependent upon you because of a relationship and, and because of an issue where, you know, they needed, you know, the, the, there was a, a debt that couldn't be paid that you could pay. And so they're working off that debt. They're not, you know, the, like I said, it's not the chattel slavery that we saw in the, in the English colonies um, and French colonies and whatever. And even in areas of the world now, there's chattel slavery where people are owned and abused and treated as property. The, the slave in ancient Israel was not property. The slave in ancient Israel was a family member who was to be treated with respect, who was to be, you know, included in things. So they would, you know, eat with the family. The sacrifices in the gates and the Levite. So, and you shall be glad before Yahweh your God in all that you send forth your hand to do. Beware lest you forsake the Levite all your days upon the land. So again, the, the, the paragraph before ended with a, with, or two paragraphs before began, ended with, you know, making sure that you take care of the Levite. This paragraph ends with, don't forget the Levite. This is an important thing. 
All right. Then verse 20. When Yahweh your God enlarges your territory as he has promised you. Oh, wait. I need to say something about the blood. Um, it's, I believe verse 23 mentions it again. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read this paragraph. We should get through this. When Yahweh your God enlarges your territory as he has promised you, and you say, I will eat meat because you desire to eat meat, then you may eat meat, whatever you desire. If the place where Yahweh your God chooses to set his name is too far away from you, then you may sacrifice of your herd and flock, which Yahweh has given you as I have commanded you, and you may eat within your gates whatever you desire. Just as a gazelle or a deer is eaten, so you will eat it. The unclean and the clean alike may eat of it. Only be strong in yourselves not to eat the blood, for the blood is the life, and you shall not eat the life with the flesh. You shall not eat it. You shall pour it out on the ground like water. You shall not eat it, so that it may be well with you and your sons after you, for you will be doing what is right in the sight of Yahweh. Only your holy things which you may have and your votive offerings you shall take and go to the place which Yahweh chooses. And you shall offer your burnt offerings, the flesh and the blood, on the altar of Yahweh your God, and the blood of your sacrifices shall be poured out on the altar of Yahweh your God, and you shall eat the flesh. So this is further instruction of what we've been talking about. And you notice there's a big deal made about the blood. The blood symbolizes life. The prohibition against eating blood told the Israelite to respect life and ultimately life's creator, the God. Blood is also the ransom price of sin. If you look at all the Old Testament sacrifices, the, there's something special done with the blood. It's poured on the horns of the altar and offered to God. When the temple and tab tabernacle were sanctified, the blood and water mixed with the ashes of the burnt offering was put in a bowl and a hyssop branch was dipped in it and it was sprinkled on the temple and tabernacle. In fact, there are places in the Bible where that was done to the people, where Moses sprinkled blood, or it may have been Aaron, I'd have to go back and look, the, but blood was sprinkled on the people. Um, so blood was sacred. Blood was not to be consumed. Um, and even in the New Testament, even the Gentiles are, are told to refrain from eating food with the blood in it. This is one of the reasons why um, in how an animal was to be slaughtered, it was not to be strangled. Because when you strangle an animal, the blood stays in the animal. They were to be, you know, have their throats cut and bled out. Because you're not supposed to eat the blood with the flesh. Because the blood was sacred to God. Now we see that this, this relates to the atonement. Um, just for some references here, you can look up uh, Leviticus 16. 
Hebrews 9, 12 through 14. Let's look at Hebrews 9, 12 through 14 real quick. Because it, it really does show this very well. Um, as I flip to the New Testament, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd, Corinthians, da, 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 I get past the Pauline epistles, 1st, 2nd, Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. All right, Hebrews 9, 12 through 14. All right. Here we read, and I'll just go back to, to verse 11, because it, I'll just read the whole paragraph here. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption, for if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God? So we talk about, you know, what can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And it all goes back to this sacrificial system that God set up. But the blood is special. And so, you know, the, it had to do with how animals were to be slaughtered and everything. So even, you know, even the meat animals, it said, you know, pour out the blood. And the sacrificial animals, you don't eat the blood. It's offered to God on the altar. And if you remember on Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement, a portion of the blood of the sacrifice is taken into the Holy of Holies and poured out on top of the Ark of the Covenant, on top of the mercy seat, so that, you know, the, the Day of Atonement, it's offered as an atoning sacrifice for the people. Uh, um, and so, very important um, so the blood is your sacrifice is to be poured out on the altar of Yahweh your God and you shall eat the flesh so again you know a lot of the sacrifice there was a portion given to the priests and then you got to eat a portion so even when you brought a sacrifice to the temple it would be sacrificed it would be cooked and you would get to eat it um he says, uh, verse 28, Be careful to listen to all these words which I am commanding you, so that it may be well with you and your sons after you forever, for you will be doing what is good and right in the sight of Yahweh your God. So there's definitely a, a you know, blessing to obedience, as we've talked about before. All right, we will end there. We will pick up in verse 29 next week on Tuesday, if all goes well, <laughs> which I'm hoping it will. Um, let's now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. 
He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the colic for the seventh Sunday after Pentecost. Let your merciful ears, O Lord, be open to the prayers of your humble servants, and that we may receive what we ask. And that we may receive what we ask, teach us by your Holy Spirit to ask only those things that are pleasing to you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the same Spirit lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Now the colic for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us safely to the beginning of this day. Defend us by your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor run into any danger, and that guided by your Spirit we may do what is righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now the colic for the unrepentant. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home. And number them among your children, that they may be yours forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Wednesday. We are halfway through the week. At least we will be by lunchtime. It's all downhill from here as we're heading for the weekend and church on Sunday. Have a great day. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for Theology Thursday. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.